G'day, it's Pete Tarling here, the host of Arc Remote Coaching Radio and Strength and Conditioning Coach and Weightlifting Coach from Arc Remote Coaching. In today's podcast episode, I'm talking with a former client, Todd Pute. Todd and I go way back, we both served in the Army together, both as artillerymen, and Todd moved over to the UK in 2015. When he moved to the UK, he started playing league for uh, his local club, London Chargers, and since progressed to being the head coach. We talk about the state of rugby league in the UK, Todd's experience and upbringing with the sport, as well as what can be done to grow the sport in an area like London. It's a great episode, good to talk to one, a former client who I helped back in 2015, 2016, as well as talking to a sports coach who brings her own perspective on what needs to be done to improve players. And it's really important for strength and conditioning coaches. Let's get into it. Let's get in talking about uh, rugby league in the UK, of all things, man. Yeah, go for it. What do you want to know? Well, mate, um, so probably best just uh, introduce yourself, sort of what you're doing, uh, with the London Chargers, and then uh, yeah, and then we'll just shoot the shit from there. Okay, sounds good. So my name's Todd. Um, I moved over to London about five years ago, um, and joined a community club over here called the London Chargers. Um, they're kind of when I first moved over, they were in the step below um, the professional ranks, um, which was which is quite good, um, and we. We're in a con called the Southern Conference League, which is kind of like the um, top uh, amateur league uh, within the south of England, effectively. So we have a bunch of teams from London and a bunch of teams from um, over in Wales, down in Gloucester as well, which is kind of, um, if you think about it, it's kind of down on the coast of uh, coast of England itself. Um, and what we did is we just kind of had to travel in between there. So we won the comp that year, which is quite good. Um, and then kind of over the next couple of years, uh, the, the competition kind of recessed a little bit and we went back into the London comp, um, but kind of played in two grand finals over there, which was good. Um, didn't win those two grand finals, unfortunately. We still made it. Um, and then into my fourth year over here, um, we are in the Southern Conference League again because um, the, the competition kind of grew again. Um, same time, but same type of theory. Uh, yeah, we're into the we're into the playoffs for that as well. Um, the playoffs actually start this weekend. So myself personally, um, oh, I've done done a little bit over here. So I started well, started off just as a player, and then a couple of years ago, taken over the coaching as well for the side, which has um, been pretty hectic and full on, I guess. So yeah, yeah, and uh, for like the Australians listening, especially the Queenslanders, how does this uh, the Southern Conference compare to, let's say, like the Intrust Super Cup? Um, probably the Intrust Super Cup. It's probably not at the same level as that. I'd probably compare it more to a kind of like a an A grade country league uh, comp. So. Um, for any, any of the Queenslanders back there, it's probably more of the standard of the Toowoomba comp, um, to be honest, which has, um, you know, which has your Toowoomba, your Gundawind, your Warwicks um, type of type of teams actually playing in it. So still, still tough, but you're not getting your, you know, you're not getting the guys that are just the step below the NRL, I guess, <laughs> um, but still a very, very tough comp. So um, the only, the only probably difference is, is there's probably about 
four, three to four decent teams in our comp, um, whereas you know other comps in Australia probably have eight decent teams. So it's never really a de- you know there's never really an easy game. Whereas over here you probably will get an easy game probably every two to three weekends, so to speak. So, but now we're kind of in the business end of the uh, business end where we tend not to get any of those easy games anymore. So, yeah, yeah, the uh, the pace is picking up. And uh, for those that don't know, so when uh, I started the business, uh, I used to coach people in person and then I switched over to doing remote coaching and Todd here was yeah. uh, one of the first guys I had that was in the remote coaching and not just someone down the road or in the same country, he was in the UK. So um, a, a bit's changed yeah. since then and uh, we've gotten a bit more high tech, but uh, yeah, Todd was there in the early days back in 2015. Uh, into 2016, uh, developing strength and power specifically so he could uh, increase his performance for Rugby League. And uh, how did you actually get into Rugby League, Todd? Um, to be honest, I think it, it was a it was a thing where I grew up really, actually. I was, um, yeah, well, it's kind of like every, every single junior sport, really. It was kind of when I was five, six years old, I wanted to know what my mates were doing and my mates were down playing Rugby League, I guess. Um, so, you know, I just kind of followed them, um, kind of helps that my old man was a, an absolute rugby league fanatic. Um, so it was always, you know, there was always footies around the house type of thing, but yeah, we just kind of, um, you know, all my mates decided to play rugby league in the town that I grew up in. So, you know, and I wanted to hang out with them. So that's kind of how I got into it really. And it just kind of grew from there and I never, I don't, well, I, to be honest, even to this day, I've never, ever, ever really fell out of love with it, um, to be honest. I've always, you know, it's always kind of been, you know, the number one hobby in my life, I guess, um, which you know, <laughs> sometimes my missus doesn't like, but, um, <laughs> you know, she, yeah, she, she, she's beginning to like it as well, I guess. It's a bit hard, um, especially in, you know, the southern part of the UK where, you know, I expect rugby league's really not that big compared to nah. sort of the, the northern parts where it probably is, you know, the the British or English really sort of heartland of league. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, it's, it's a very good point. And it's probably just like, a, as I said, like a point to note when I say in Southern Conference League, it's not – it's the non-heartlands for rugby league. So anything, um, and for people that don't really know the UK, um, when we say north, we're talking like up in Liverpool and Manchester um, type of area. That's kind of where, um, and even a tiny, a little bit further north than that as well, that's kind of where rugby league was founded and growing up and, you know, it's absolutely massive now. Whereas, you know, if you start heading further north, uh, further south, sorry, and I'm only talking probably in relative context about 150 kilometres south of uh, Manchester, Liverpool, it starts, you know, it starts becoming a bit more of an outlier. It's not the norm. Um, so that kind of gives you just a bit of an idea. And where, if you think about it, we're, um, we're the equivalent of about 400 kilometres uh, south from Liverpool and Manchester. So, you know, that kind of gives you a bit of a context of... Um, of you know how far down and how far we're up against it, but luckily for us in London, it's there's there's a massive expat community um, over here. So I think it's always it's always had a decent not a, not a decent foothold, but it's always been relevant in certain areas. Um, but the issue is is it's it's a lot of Australians, a lot of Kiwis, um, and you know the occasional expat northern um, northern Englishman as well, but not very many too many local people, but trying to grow that obviously so um yeah it's it's tough yeah it's a bit like uh starting a club in adelaide 
when you know everyone's playing AFL and whatever else they do in South Australia. Um, I don't want to know. Yeah, because you know, cause, you, know you, go, you could say like Victoria, but you know, Melbourne's got the storm. Not many people in Victoria compared to Queensland and sort of northern New South Wales follow league, but enough do to warrant Melbourne having a team, but I think it's even tougher in the UK. Yeah. And then the, the popularity, yeah, uh, sorry, Matt, popularity too of what, soccer or football and then yeah. union or rugby. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, so football is obviously number one over here and, um, you know, it's absolutely crazy. No matter, kind of similar to us with cricket in Australia um, where, you know, you'll have your people that play AFL in rugby league and rugby union or whatever. As soon as it gets to summer, everyone follows cricket, right? So, um, you know, it's kind of similar over here where everyone kind of plays their different sport, but football's the number one sport, no matter no matter what anyone plays, whether it's rugby union, uh, rugby league, up in the north or whatever, everyone follows Everyone follows football. So it's absolutely crazy um, and it's massive. So, and then, huh, and funnily enough, we actually had a, I actually had to reschedule a game, funnily enough, when the last World Cup was on and when England were actually doing well. Yeah. I had to reschedule a game, bring it forward two hours. So I actually had players available because so, <laughs> um, they wanted to go off and watch, obviously, the uh, England in the World Cup semi final. So it's like, what do you do? It's either you want to play rugby league or watch a World Cup semi final. I just had to concede and I just couldn't understand it. But there you go. It just kind of gives you a bit of an understanding of how mad they are about the sport over here. So. Yeah, uh, a different culture. Um, funny enough, um, which you probably yeah, wouldn't, well. I think, I think people know that, you know, football and I mean soccer, but football as people would say the world sport, I think the world game, isn't it? How it's popular. Yeah. Today, but, um, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been, obviously been over here far too long. So I'm calling it football now instead of soccer, but it definitely is soccer. I, I still call it soccer. Every time I chat to an English person, I call it soccer because I know it annoys, annoys the absolute hell out of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to wind them up and it's hilarious hey, that's that's fantastic so um what what position do you play nowadays and what positions have you um, played previously well so I, well when i started off i was i was a little young like kind of a little young whippersnapper and i kind of didn't go really throw through a growth spurt really so i was kind of i was kind of in the backs um backs to play or and played a little bit of hooker as well or a bit of dummy half um and then kind of hit 15, 16 and had a massive growth spurt and I actually kind of went completely the opposite way uh, and started playing in the front row um, only because I hit the growth spurt uh, quicker than a lot of the other kids. So I think when I was 16, I was, um, I was you know, six, no, five, nine, six foot um, and, you know, pushing nearly 100 kegs. Uh, so, you know, which is kind of big for that age, right? And yeah. then, um, you know, and then I kind of, uh, well, joined the military and, um, well, I didn't play, obviously didn't play much through there. I played a little bit of rugby union when, uh, mm. when I was in the army, but kind of, uh, kind of played in the backs a little bit, um, throughout there. So a bit of inside center, center, um, type of position. Um, and then went back to league and yeah, kind of got into your program to put on a bit more muscle to get up to where I needed to be. And, um, you know, I was, yeah, kind of sitting around where I need to be now and probably play, uh, well, a mix between uh, second row and lock forward at the moment. So, yeah, it's um, probably the ideal position for me, enough where I don't get, you know, I don't have to be bashed every single second in the front row, but enough to, you know, still be part of the physical side of it, which I which I kind of enjoy with, with the game as well. So, yeah. 
And how did you end up going from being a player? You know, you moved to the UK, joined a club, you know, have a bit of a hit out. How how did you evolve from being a you know just a player to also being a coach? And how do you find coaching now? Um, yeah, it was a really interesting one. So we have it well. As I'm sure you can imagine, in London with the, with the expats, so a lot of um, well, our coach before was was an Australian, so and he actually used to play uh, NRL for Parramatta Eels, funnily enough, back in the late '80s, and he actually partnered um, Peter Sterling in the halves. So a bit of a fun fact, not that probably anyone really matters too much, but um, so he he was coming through, and he'd been coaching the side for about five six years, but he was kind of getting on a little bit, and he was um, you know really. Yeah, other work commitments kind of was taken away from where we really needed to be. So I started off with um, kind of just helping around in a few little training sessions here and there, um, only because I had a uh, I had a coaching certification back in Australia. I, you know, I actually got that long ago. I can't even remember what level it is now. I think it's a level two. But um, so yeah, so I did that. So I decided to help him out a little bit just to kind of get my feet under the table, and I actually quite enjoy that type of stuff because, you know, it gives me the ability to teach people who don't really know the game uh, that well into the basic skills um, and kind of bring them up to a level that they can actually enjoy the game when they're out there playing rather than feeling like they're, you know, out of their depth, so to speak. Um, and, and you know what, it's actually quite hard to do that with people of, you know, that are, you know, a little bit older rather than people that are a little bit younger because once people get a little bit older, as I'm sure you well know, um, you know, it's harder for them to learn. So, you know, I had to had to really break down those barriers. And then once we started doing that, um, you know, he decided to step away and, you know, it was just a – I think it was just a natural case of, you know, last – it wasn't really a last man standing, but kind of no one else was really around to kind of take on that role. So I thought, you know, why not? I, You know, I do enjoy coaching. I do enjoy helping people out. Um you know, it's it's kind of a thing that I do like to do. So I was like, look, I'll step into it. Why not? Um, you know, we've been, you know, I've been relatively successful. You know, we I've taken the taken the club to to a grand final last year last year, and you know, we only lost that by two points. Um, you know, which was which is tough, but you know, we, which would have been a good start to my start to my coaching career, really. And then, um, you know, this year, well, actually, and last year, funnily enough, I um, coached the club in the Challenge Cup, which is kind of like a um, kind of like a knockout comp over here, similar to the FA Cup. I, I don't actually, there's no knockout comps in Australia, really, to compare it to. But similar to that, it's, it's a really prestigious comp, really, that effectively a lot of amateur clubs mix it with a lot of pro clubs. And we made the second second round of that last year and the first round this year. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's been been fruitful. It's been stressful, but fruitful. Um, you know, I've probably got a few more grey hairs, but then at the same time, you know, you've got to sit back and reflect every now and then, and you know, you think about the think about the kids and um, that you brought through that are you know 18, 19, and you know they're now a couple of years on, and you know they understand the game a bit more, and they're down and they've improved, and you know, as far as as far as I'm concerned, as long as they're improving, then you know I've, I've done my job. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy it. That's a, it's a good point. You know, progress is progress, and I yeah, I think people get fixated on just just you know the overall outcome. It's nice to have you know goals. You know, the military is cool to have you know goals and objectives and stuff. But if you're improving, then you're improving. Yeah, exactly right. And you know, and that's probably yeah, exactly as you said. It's it's probably a big thing for kind of anyone out there. It's just you know, it's a case of right. Well, you're never going to be you're never going to be where you want to be, um, 
overnight because you know you need to put in the hard work to get there and you know and then it's it's a case of right well i'll give you the skills i'll show you how to do these things you just keep working on it if you keep working on it, you're dedicated then you'll get to where you need to be and you know and as i said luckily enough i've had i've had a few guys that are like that in rugby league and you know they absolutely they love the game now they've sacked off every other sport they play and they solely play that so that's a win for me mate that is and um you know talking about the club Sort of what age yep. range of players do you have? You know, you're in your thirties, um, if I, if my math is correct, because um, I'm in my thirties. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm yeah, well, I'm I'm thirty two. Oh, sorry, no, that's a lie. I'm thirty one. I've just yep. upgraded myself by a year just to try and sound uh, sound more uh, mature. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I definitely feel it. Anyway. Um, no, so we have, we have a good range between uh, – well, we've actually had 16-year-old kids down um, to, to kind of training and games this year, funnily enough, which is um, the youngest I've had. Uh, well, I, I haven't – you know, the four or five years that I've been in the club, I haven't seen 16-year-olds down before. So – and that was um, a bit of a challenge for me with younger guys as well, and I'll come on to that in a tick. But, yeah, so from 16-year-olds um, to kind of like – uh, I think the oldest we've had is about 35, 36, um, which presents its own challenges as well. Um, because, and what I mean by that is that for me, it's not a, it's kind of like a, not a one solution fits all type of scenario. Um, yep. I know, and that's probably been my biggest challenge with coaching actually, is that the 16 year olds and maybe the non-experienced players are, are not at the same level as the guys that are late twenties, early thirties, um, you know, top scenario where they they really understand the game, they really understand the skills, they really understand what needs to be done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you could give them a drill to do and they'd happily go off and do it. So kind of the way I've tried to cope it a little bit is try and pair the guys up as much as I can with the younger guys, um, you know, at the same time to go, right, okay, well, on Tuesdays, you know, we'll focus on the skill levels and, you know, we'll bring guys up to, to how we like to play, the basic skills, you know, get them to where they need to be, um, and really work on it that way. And then then you go, right, okay, then on Thursday, right, well, we've got to understand that we've still got to play and win on a Saturday. So we'll kind of break them up into a couple of groups and we'll work on the guys that are just in the development stage, so to speak, and try and get them up to a, to another level. And then, you know, you let the other guys who are a bit more advanced, so to speak, um, you know, crack on and um, do what they need to do. So, yeah, but, you know, as I said, it's... Um, Coaching sixteen-year-olds is a is a is a funny one because they don't they don't really um, the biggest challenge I've had with those guys is they probably don't really understand um, you know kind of like adult life so to speak that you know like just the you know the respect of um, you know if they can't make somewhere just drop a text or something like that you know it's just little things like that that they um, they're just a little bit more engrossed in probably um, impressing girls and you know. Going yeah. out and meeting their mates, I guess, so, <laughs> um, has has its challenges. Yeah, it does. It's a pretty tough spread, you know. You got like teenagers, like sort of 16, 17, 18 year olds. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, either one still developing, still growing, or two, you know, sort of at their, you know, that their prime of their physical capacity or pretty close to it. So they've got, you know, the yeah. highest amount of recovery. You know, they've got aggression and intensity, but they then yeah. lack the skills and the motor control and all that kind of fun stuff. And then you, you flip to, to, to the other end of the echelon, you've got the guys with experience who understand sort of the bigger picture of the game are probably going to be better at the skills, but 
they can't take you know that same level of training volume or intensity. It's going to knock them around a lot more. And then it's you yeah, know, it's find that middle ground with team sports gets gets tough. You know, when you're training an individual, you can you can tailor and individualize a program for a person. Um, but team sports, because you know it doesn't matter how good one person is, it's how effective you are. You know, as as thirteen guys on the field. So yeah, and um, yeah, and you, you know, offsetting or you know, finding uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Compensation between strengths and weaknesses, and then you know, you might have the best guy in the day, you know, to, to do a certain position or in a play. But you know, like, can the team sustain that? Or you, you know, who, who's the best guy to be the tactician? And actually call the shots versus who's the guy to actually make the play and then how well do they respond to being told what to do <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely spot on absolutely spot on and that's um no everything you just said it's you know it's absolutely spot on with team sports it is it is a tricky one i mean even myself when i because i still play you know I, I really struggle to recover now whereas you know even back when i first started in london four years ago 28 you know i'm not you know, I could recover much, much quicker and I could show a lot more aggression. You know, I was reacting to those things a little bit better. But then again, I'm a little bit smarter four years on. So I understand the game a little bit more because um, everyone's learning. So you're absolutely right. And probably the other thing is, as I said, you know, these these teenagers, I know what I was like when I was back when I was 18, 19. <laughs> I'd still be going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Um, and these kids are still doing the same. Yet somehow they're... Uh, Somehow they're still backing up and playing on Saturday and, you know, sometimes um, the decent ones doing it freakishly well, um, which kind of, yeah, makes me, <laughs> makes me slightly slightly angry considering, uh, you know, if they, if they could just apply themselves, I can imagine how far you could go. Um, yeah. But, you know... You can't you can't tell them for the best of all best of will in the world. You can't tell them so. Yeah, tricky. It's that, that intrinsic drive. If, if they you know they might enjoy it, but how committed or motivated or you know how driven they are to um, you know reaching that potential, it you know, it's really up to them. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's down to them. I mean, if they look, some people just play sport for the fun of it because they like the team. Uh, yeah. They like the team environment. They like, um, you know, they like, they like having twenty to twenty five other mates. Um, and, and truth be told, that's probably and the fact because I love rugby league. That's the one reason why I like mm. team sports, and it's one reason why I joined a team straight away when I came over. So I got no mates over here. Don't really know anyone. Um, let's find some. Let's go there. So, you know, but. Just about finding the people. Yeah, nah, it's yeah. You are right. It's, it's a challenge. <laughs> That's all I'll say. It's a challenge. But it's you know it's sort of one of those fun, sometimes fun challenges of, of being a coach is you know dealing with these problems and then you know trying to work a solution that may not be the best solution or the solution you want, but it's gonna you know result in the best outcome you can get with what you have. Well, yeah. I mean, for for example, you know, like you have guys, for argument's sake, like we have a lot of uni students, um, you know, and you know full well what the culture's like in university. So you just, you know, in some occasions you go, right, okay, I understand, um, you know, you've got a you got a graduation night, you've got a ball or something kind of Thursday night. Well, that's okay. You can miss training um, to go off and have fun because, you know, at the end of the day, you got to understand there's still a kid and it ain't, you know, I ain't running a professional team. Yeah. So, 
you know, you've got to give them that uh, kind of balance, so to speak, to go, right, no, look, guys, um, go do that because, you know, it still gives them their freedom to do what they need to do, yet they feel indebted to you, so to speak. So they'll always come back and, you know, and still play. And, you know, and it's those type of little things where you kind of have to sit back and go, right, well, we aren't a professional club. So, you know, you, there, there is a lot of give and take, um, so to speak. And, you know, guys, guys react to that quite well because they actually, they actually, know that you care about them and know that you know you care about their personal life as well and you're not going to jump all over them because they've, they've missed a training session for argument's sake so yeah that's that's probably the biggest difference i reckon yeah it's sort of for that that greater good because you know you you, you give a bit here and then you know that guy's going to keep turning up for the next how many years uh come down and yeah. on them they're just going to quit and yeah then, absolutely it's worse absolutely off. <laughs> yeah which which I can't afford in London. I yeah, can't. exactly. You, like, can't, you, know, you, you can't, can't you can't do it. You know when you're when you're trying to keep, um, you know, because we we run uh, we run two sides in our club. So when you're trying to put out two sides, you know that's if you think about it, that's the equivalent of 34 players that you mm. need committed to train. You know, or not even train session. You need uh, 34 players committed to each Saturday to kind of put out two teams. Um, which you know usually that equates to with. And we kind of figured it out over the last couple of years. You need something like 70 people signed onto the system because you'll always get, you know, that kind of one third that won't be able to train, won't be able to play type of thing. So it's it's a tough one. It is tough. But, yeah, I, I think we've got it right. Yep. And uh, talking about training, so what's your sort of uh, club training split like over the weeks? You know, what days do you train? Sort of what do you prioritise and focus on each day? Do you have like a... A typical rhythm or do you adapt it based on where you are and what's going on um so it really de- it really depends actually i kind of my philosophy is is kind of the start of the year um once we've come back from uh from our break really is to to kind of really focus on um trying to get that basic skill level back up um so we train twice a week by the way so we train a tuesday and a thursday just to give you a bit of context yep. now i have a I have a philosophy with the guys that, you know, I won't do a whole bunch of fitness. And the reason why I won't do that is because I, you know, you need more than, well, you need more than two sessions for half hour, um, you know, to get, to get fitter, um, to be brutally honest. And we have such precious time that, you know, you've got to work on ball skills, right? So, you know, I try and incorporate a few things into that. So then at the start of the year, I'll try and do a lot of um, ball skills, but under fatigue. So when I say don't do fitness, I'll still mm. get their heart rate up. Um, and I'll still put them through those uh, through those basic ball skills as well. Um, so that's kind of you know where we sit off with on the Tuesday, and then um, kind of the Thursday we then go into kind of game plan scenario or kind of like game scenarios, so to speak, where we kind of move away and we go right, okay, sweet. Well, you know, let's have a look at what we would do if we we're attacking in the thirty. Um, you know, how would we actually achieve? Um, you know, who do we want to target or where are our strengths as a team? Okay, sweet. Well, you know, this is what we need to do. Um, you know, same thing coming out of our own end. It's about, you know, on the Thursday, it's it's kind of going right, guys. Well, it's about teaching you to, you know, get to the end of your set, put your kick in, put it into a corner, and trap them down there so you can set yourself up and think about the bigger picture. Um, so it's just little things like that, and then kind of moving on to the to the middle of the season. The um, I kind of I drop off the. I drop off the intensity a little bit on Tuesdays because it, it can get a long season. Um, yeah. I we started in February this year, um, well January February actually because we're playing the Challenge Cup. So um, 
it's been a long year in the way of, um, you know, guys are just starting to lose interest and get fatigued. So you have to kind of, on Tuesdays, well, on Tuesdays in particular, make it a little bit um, not, not well, fun, yes, but, um, and it still needs to be relevant, but it's more, it's more just, uh, you know, kind of drills to keep the guys engaged. So it'll be more, um, yeah, game situation, so to speak, but it may be, um, it may be a, you know, offside touch that we start off with, uh, type of thing where guys, you know, are offside. You can pass the ball forward, um, you know, 20 meters, but the whole point of that is to be able to find space and to, you know, to pass a move as well at the same time. Um, you know, and then you'll go into, you know, other things where you can go, right, sweet, well, now let's work on a full length game. Um, but you know, we'll get guys dropping out every time they make a, make a touch. So it's always, um, you know, or a tackle, so to speak, because then it's always a, um, always an overlap, the attacking side, so to speak. Mm. Um, so it's about making it, kind of keeping the guys engaged throughout the middle of the year because that's when it gets tough and that's when people start dropping off. You know, the start and the finish are always strong. It's kind of the middle where uh, where we really, really struggle. So that's kind of my philosophy there. And then we'll still work on game plans on the Thursday anyway, um, but make it a bit more specific um, to kind of like just a team run and we just kind of shorten it up a little bit. And then we start coming to the end of the year, the business end, um, which is kind of where we are now. Um, it will start really picking the intensity back up again, um, to be honest. So we're making sure the guys are peaking at the right time. So for argument's sake, on the, on the you know my training session on Tuesday, once again, it's all about, once again, um, ball skills under fatigue, except we'll really step it up a notch. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll do things like coat hangers where guys will, you know, start in, start in one corner, run to the other corner of the field, um, run back around to the side of the field and back around, and you'll always get the column on the backs chasing the forwards um, type of thing. And once you've done that, straight into, you know, straight into a game scenario. So same thing, like I was saying before, it's um, right, well, you've got a scrum and you're 20 and you're four behind, what will you do um, type of thing? And then you kind of move from there. Once they've gone through that set, um, you'll go off and do another fitness drill um, quickly. So it may be... It may be a defensive set for argument's sake, um, high intensity, and you just keep doing that. And you keep switching between scenarios and a little bit of uh, fatigue, scenarios, fatigue, scenarios, fatigue, um, only because that's what it's going to be like in the end of the year, you know, once you start getting to the business end. So, and then um, Thursdays, you're just going through just a basic team run to get to the boys to where they need to be, and then you kind of knock them off, so to speak. So, that's kind of my training philosophy. Um, bit long winded. It's kind of, you know, get their ball skills up at the start of the year, manage it throughout the middle of the year, then really pick it up again towards the back end. Um, because obviously the back end's the important part, I think. Um, you know, it's premierships weren't won in the start of the year or nor the middle of the year. They won, um, you know, you need to get your wins, but as long as you're getting your wins, then, you know, premierships are won at the end of the year. And, you know, that's, that's the aim. That's kind of like my thinking. I've always kind of thought that way. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and that makes you know perfect sense. You know, you're working on those foundation skills at the start. You're making sure you've got that laid out, and then you're trying to you know maintain more consistency and attendance in the middle part, which is you know, the challenging bit. And then yeah, right yeah. at the end, it's you know I think that the bit at the end has its own challenges of you want people to be primed, so you know you can get your best placing and the best chances for a premiership. But at the same time, you know, yeah. managing fatigue and recovery, that's that's where it gets hard because, um, 
you know, you, you want, you know, we talked about peaking, you, know, you want people to be peaked, but then it's something I, I find too with any sport is trying to get that peak just right where you have enough stimulus, but not so much that you see a degradation of performance when you go and play a couple of days later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's tough, and that's why I'll tend to always do do my harder sessions on the Tuesday uh, towards the back end of the year, and then you know still make it still make it decent quality. So you know, anytime people drop balls um, on Thursday, um, you know, emphasis on that, then there's usually a there's a punishment behind it. They're not a not a massive punishment. It might only be five push ups for argument's sake, but at least gives them you know at least put something in their mind on the Thursday to go right. Okay, if we drop a ball, then you know, we're going to be punished similar yeah. in a game. So the idea is don't drop a ball, yeah. um, so to speak. But um, but you are right, though. It's, it's more of a case of intensity on the Tuesday, drop it off on the Thursday. And you know what? I mean, even then, you have a look at the people that do need to be managed. You know the older people, back to yeah. older and younger. You know the older people that do need to be managed. And you know what? On, on a Tuesday, if they're not, like, don't get me wrong, if they're not, you know, they're not the ones right at the front of the pack with the cone hangers that they need to do, they need to modify their training, then I'll modify their training to, to suit because, mm. you know, at the end of the day, um, they bring their own different skill sets and, you know, they need to, they need to, put, they're usually some of my most important players on a Saturday. So, mm. you know, you, you better jack on individually, so to speak, which is, um, which is quite handy. Yeah. And that's um, a pretty long season. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. And, was it recently? I don't know how long it's been happening for, but I know with Super League in the UK, they've swapped over from winter to summer, so it aligns with winter in Australia. Um, yeah, um, good question. I don't actually know when that actually happened. Um, yeah. I think it was – oh, look, I could be wrong here. I think it was kind of mid-2000s, I think, off the top of my head. Yeah, um, it's a while ago now. Yeah, it was ages. And the reason they did it was um well they claimed it was um pretty much down to the pretty much down to the dollar really. So mm. it was down to people not viewing the sport. Um they were competing against uh the Premier League union yep. and stuff like that. And participation levels, I think. Mm. Um so, you know, kids kids would be off choosing uh, you know, choosing to play other sports rather than play league. Um, yep. although they'd always be playing league up in the Heartlands, but mm. you know, I think yeah. Makes sense. I mean, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to lie to you. I had a choice between playing rugby league and rugby union when I came over. Um, you know, and it was, I chose rugby league because, um, you know, it was in summer. And you know, to be honest, I'm glad I chose rugby league because that was my first sport I ever played, and I absolutely love playing rugby league. Um, but you know, don't get me wrong. If rugby league was in winter and rugby union was in summer, I may have. I possibly chose a rugby union purely because <laughs> I don't really want to play in winter over here at all. Yeah, it is depressing. That, yeah, that's sort of the, the big difference of, you know, an Australian winter versus, you know, a UK winter. It's a bit different. Yeah. I um, So we, we had a game in the Challenge Cup a couple of years back. Well, actually, no, this was about three years ago. Um, and I swear to God... So this is this is uh this is about January. And it's usually probably in its worst time over here. It's January, February it really gets bitter. And I swear on my life, it it was sleeting when I was playing. And I was I looked at it and gone, if I was this was a norm when I was playing rugby union, no, nah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I couldn't handle couldn't handle having snow or you know sleet just fall on me the whole game. I was like, this is depressing, really depressing. Yeah, that you know, that sounds heartbreaking. That's like training outside 
um, in winter in Canberra. Just it's just not worth it. No, it's not. <laughs> no one wants to do it. It's punishment. That's yeah, what it is. It's horrible. You don't. Or, yeah, or, or you, you be, do it. You do it because you know it's probably good for you, but yeah, it ain't enjoyable. Or being that poor bastard on picket in uh, either Madura or Puckapunyal at three a.m. in winter, like it's just hell. Oh, oh no! Nah. I um, I still, mate, I still have flashbacks about Madura. Going through, going through as a little lonely staff cadet, um, you know, getting a shock to the system when you first get woken up for picket. It's like, oh, you're going on picket and it's, you know, kind of minus two degrees and you're like, I don't want to get up, to be brutally honest, but you're like, oh, I'm better, I'm better. And you get out there and you freeze your nuts off. So it wasn't nice. It wasn't the best. Yeah. Oh, for those who don't know, Madura is an army training area in Canberra and when you go through the Royal Military, uh, Royal Military College Duntroon or even the Australian Defence Force Academy, you end up going there and it fucking sucks. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's a... Uh... It ain't the best place, let's put it that way. It's a shock to the system. And then uh, I do, you know, you know what? And I haven't spent that much, much, uh, much time with Pucker. Actually, no, that's a lie. I did DevOps and Pucker Punyal, but yep. um, I, yeah, it was, uh, it was summer, so I had the opposite way. I was just sweating oh. all the time because it was like 40, 45 degrees. It was yep. lovely. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, so I never really, uh, yeah. Even my FO's course, I don't think we did uh, we did much out there in winter, right? No, it was, only, it was only about a week, I think. Um, yeah. The live fire for the Port Observers course, about a week, um, which isn't too bad, yeah. you know. Uh, I don't even think it was that cold, really. No, it gets weird. Um, but in, in the context of things. Yeah, when you're out there for a few weeks, like uh, I did a couple of weeks, uh, I got attached to a battery once, and oh, God, it was fucked. You know, nah, I, I nice, posted nice. to Townsville's and, you know, 108 battery and Lieutenant. And, uh, yeah, we got reinforced A battery for And they, for some reason, drove from Sydney to Puckapunyal off because of range size. And, oh, man, I didn't take a jumper. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> regret. Oh, <laughs> That's man. a regret. Nah, nah, I couldn't do that. Well, similar, similar to you, right? You know, I was, I was up in Darwin. If you're up in Townsville or Darwin, <laughs> yeah. right, you don't ever, 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 ever... Um, you know, think that uh, you get to get to hang out in the cold that much because you're always so lucky every time you went training. Um, yeah, you know, it was 30, 35 degrees. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was fantastic, but you know, not not so much. Even Wide Bay, like what you know, over a Shoalwater Bay, it's um, it ain't really that cold there. It may rain a lot, but oh, ain't cold. That's for sure. We've got, I've had some pretty shitty nights in Shoalwater Bay, and um, awesome. Yeah, Towers and Sabre 2017. Yeah, and it was an amphibious unit. So we, got, we, got, we, got, we got wet. Um, that was even better, coming off the ships. Uh, oh, and, then, and we weren't entitled to the cold weather gear, but that's a different story. Again, you know, we, we're, no. on the, we're on the wrong side of the Brisbane line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, couldn't handle it. Were you, uh, oh, I remember, um, I think it was a Towers and Sabre 2013 in Shoalwater Bay. Um, and it just, all I remember is it just rained the yeah, whole oh, time. Yeah, I was on that one. I was, a, um, I was an umpire on that one. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, and I, all I remember, um, I think that was, I think that was the one that a, uh, a PMV um, got, uh, got sunk and they had to pull it out of the, pull it out of the creek. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> that, that'd be Because of rain. Yeah. But uh, yeah, 
God forbid. Um, look, that's what it is. So that's uh, it's those days that I'm glad I'm out of the military. Well, yeah, the good thing about being in the military, Todd, is mate, um, it prepared you well because all the shitty training areas to move to the UK. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Mate, mate, hey, this where there's nothing. I don't get me wrong. I get a little depressed when it's uh, when it rains for kind of three months straight. But I must admit, you're absolutely right. Um, you kind of sit inside and you go, you know what? My least life's I'm, all right. It least, ain't least that I'm bad. Not wet. <laughs> I could be, yeah, I could be sitting out there with uh, minimal cover, getting absolutely pissed on, um, trying to make myself a hot coffee, and nah, nothing's going right. Whereas. Not going to lie to you, I'm sitting in the conservatory at the moment, pissing down rain. If I wanted a hot coffee, I could uh, go in and put the kettle on. So, yeah, you know, life's all right. It is. And um, <laughs> one more thing to talk about, actually, uh, and then we, can, then we can wrap up. I know you got to bounce soon. Yeah. Um, no, that's fine. How have, uh, or what's your experience with sort of the growth of rugby league in the UK, in London specifically? Are you seeing like um, a more interest in it? Um... Yeah, so I, it, it's a bit of a tricky question to to answer, really. And the only reason I say that is because we, so a lot of the, a lot of the senior clubs in London don't really have a junior um, a junior base, so to speak. And, and I'm actually yeah. glad you kind of brought it up because that's kind of one area that we kind of looked at a couple of years back and going, right, it's something that we kind of need to do. So we've, um, we've actually linked up with a junior club over here um, to kind of tap into their juniors. Um, and so it's now given me a bit more understanding of the junior side of thing. And, and I think in the long run, um, that's where kind of the game's going to grow in London. It ain't going to grow through, um, you know, through the Aussies and Kiwis and the Northern English and the occasional locals mm. down here. Um, it's going to go through the younger guys. And, you know, if the younger guys in the off-season from Union can play league, because I'm not going to, you know, I'll make no bones about it, that that's kind of who we're competing against and that's yep. our market. But if we can get them and go, right, okay, league's a better game and they understand league's a better game, then they'll play it growing mm. up. Um, type of thing, and they'll go through the system, and they'll kind of get bigger. So, I think um, it is. It's hard. It's hard to quantify um, because you know you'll get the RFL, which is a governing body over here, quote something like, um, you know, they have over a hundred thousand juniors in London playing the game. But you know, at the end of the day, that ain't quite accurate because they will they will go to schools and run school camps um yep. you know over over a week so to speak and they include that in their numbers and that's a bit skewed if so yeah that's not actually quite accurate but you know i think once we uh, it's growing slightly but it's going to take time i think yep. is the honest answer so and i think as soon as uh, the governing body realised that the resources need to be pumped into the junior game. Similar to back in Australia, if the grassroots die, then, you know, there's no senior game, really. It's the same over here. It, you know, there's no strong uh, grassroots or junior game, then, you know, these these kids ain't going to play rugby league when they grow up and we won't have a game. Mm. So, yeah, it, it is growing slightly, but I think more could be done. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. And, you know, I, I know in Queensland, at least, and you know that yeah, there is such you know there's an infrastructure set up where if you want to play league you can pretty much and you, you go to southern states and yeah. it's, it's the same with you know Aussie rules um, it's just so widespread you can get into it there's various levels and you can progress as you get older you know you can be in your 30s and you know play in a local club 
Um, and then we, you know, we use these clubs as sort of stepping stones to get into the National Rugby League. You know, unlike the US, which yeah. of course has, you know, their college, college system, which is totally different again. But, you know, the Australian, which has the Australian sort of sports system, you know, have really relies on those lower levels, exposing people to the sport, getting them to play. And, you know, with league and union, uh, a lot of guys that play league in the NRL probably play a bit of league and a bit of union. Sometimes they just play league. Um, you know, yeah, you see some league, you see some league players swap over to union. You rarely see union players swap over to league, but it, it all no. starts really with the juniors and trying to bring them up, and then that's where you sort of grow your base or your interest, and then that's yeah, how, massively, mm. yeah, massively, and that's you know, and that's uh, what Australia does well, and Queensland and New South Wales do really particularly well. You know, no matter what town you're in, exactly as you said, you. You kind of look go go down to the local uh, local footy field on a Tuesday Thursday night, and you'll see every age group from under eight to you know up through to A grade um, with two year intervals um, type of thing. Um, you know, kind of kind of down there training, and you go, wow, that's a different culture. That's that's a you know those are kids out there playing because they want to go hang out with their mates after school um, on a Tuesday and Thursday, and you know that's what it's like, and that's how the the love of the game's grown. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just, you, you won't get that over here. You have to really kind of search to, to find that, those junior clubs, so to speak, to go, uh, to go play for, but you know, it's getting there. It's getting there. Hopefully. Yeah. And you know, it's good to see, you know, some uh, more interest in league and, uh, you know, if you're in the UK, especially in London, how can someone who wants to find out what rugby league's like, or, you know, try it out or learn more about it, you know, where, where can they go? What's some good resources? Um, I know you guys um, are on. You guys are on Facebook. You got a pretty pretty banging Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Facebook is probably Facebook. Twitter is probably the best option to be brutally honest. So, um, any any senior people that want to come over, um, look uh, look a club up called London Chargers, uh, which is a club obviously I run. So that's London Chargers, um, as in charges, as in a bull um, type of thing for on Facebook and then we're also on Twitter as well. I think it's London, uh, London charges RL. Um, so if you can give us a follow as well, but, um, any junior guys over, over here that may be listening, um, couple of clubs around that you can look for Brixton Bulls, Rutler Schraders. Um, they're all on Facebook, Twitter as well. And if you just, uh, just jot into, jot into Google, if you want to, uh, rugby league in London, um, yeah, kind of go from there. Or if anyone needs a bit of a pointer, Get in touch with me on uh, on London Charges Facebook page, and um, I'll point him in the right direction, I guess. Awesome, that's uh, that's sweet. Thanks for that, Todd. No, that's all right, mate. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, mate. I uh, hope you have a good morning. That's all right, in time. What is it? Eight fifty a.m. Uh, in London. Yeah, I um I, I must admit I didn't have a beer in front of me, which I was slightly disappointed about. But yeah, that's yeah, heartbreaking. Uh, Todd promised yeah. me he was going to have a Guinness at breakfast. I've just knocked back a Bent Spoke Easy, uh, a local Canberra a Canberra uh, craft beer. Fantastic. And uh, oh jeez, I don't know. It's it's five o'clock here, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the difference, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I think uh, I think it's technically called an alcoholic when uh, you start having a beer at eight o'clock in the morning. So yeah, yeah I better yeah better not better not do that. I've uh, I've already trained, mate, so I'm good to go. Yeah, no, I haven't. I got, I got, a, I got a footy game later on today, so yeah, <laughs> I better, uh, I better I, keep focus I, on that one. I figured you'd be playing today. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. We've got uh, three games left. So, oh, well, actually, no, that's a lie. We've got three um, playoff games in the Eastern Division left. And then once we've done that, then play the uh, play the West Division um, in the playoffs to go into the grand final. So, oh, nice. about five games left, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, should be good. So, yeah, mate, good luck with those games. And uh, hopefully we'll see, uh, Thank you. see some wins from the Chargers. Yeah, will do. Will do. Thanks for listening to this episode of Arkema Coaching Radio. If you haven't already, don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for some fresh content coming out. And also check out our website, arkremotecoaching.com. We currently have a seven-week power program available in our online store for only $50. So get yourself a seven-week program designed to enhance strength and power for throwing sports like cricket fast bowlers, baseball pitchers, and other sports with a body throwing action for 50 bucks. That is an absolute bargain. That is $7 per week to get a program that's been designed by an accredited strength conditioning coach. Anyway, till next time. See ya.